Wednesday. I am back on air. You bet. 104. Halfway through the week. Congratulations. Congratulations. You made it. It's Wednesday. Man, you know, last week, the short week, uh, was that the week? Yeah, last week was a short week. It dragged like crazy. But this week is flying by. I can't believe it's Wednesday already. We have lots coming up on the show today. Uh, if you weren't listening at the tail end of Jeff Courier's show, let me just recap a little bit here as to what's coming up. I want to play audio for you. You may have heard a bit of this on Jeff Courier's show if you were listening. If you're uh, one of those uh, longtime loyal listeners that listens to CGOB and nothing else. But if you've been busy or you haven't been listening, Reverend Brent Newman from All Saints Church over on Broadway, less than an hour from now, that little tent city, those uh, homeless people that have set up there, got to be out by two. And as you heard the Reverend say in the news, uh, if they're not out by two, he doesn't want to have to do it, but he will call the police. There's a wedding there and, you know, uh, they've, uh, uh, been staying there, but they've got to, uh, they've got to move. And I want to play some audio that our Diana Foxhall got. She talked to Terry Johnson, one of the homeless there. Yeah, he says he was the first one there and some interesting comments from him. And I want to play a bit of Reverend Brent Newman as well. All right. So we'll do that in about 10 minutes. I'll let you know what's on the show today. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do that. And I welcome your comments. 204 780 6868 204-780-6868, com. already getting some thoughts on this. And I think it's, uh, as we say in the radio biz, it's a good talker because I think uh, lots of opinions on this one, uh, and uh, we'll uh, get into it in a bit here, okay? Also, after the news at 1.30 with Savannah Pierce, Dr. Tracy Radcliffe, Manitoba Veterinary Medical Association, Pot and our pets. we got to be careful with pot around pets, uh, especially, I guess, uh, when it becomes legal, when marijuana becomes legal. I imagine there might be more of it around. And so really important because pot and pets do not mix. Dr. Radcliffe will join us after the news at 1.30. About 1.45, quarter to 2, Allison Shane will be here. Um, she has a company called Starling Social. She's a social media expert here in Winnipeg, and we'll continue to talk about Roseanne. There's certainly fallout from that uh, continuing. <laughs> She's uh, canceled, but not quiet. That's for sure. But I thought maybe it was a good opportunity to get Allison on and talk a bit about, you know, some things. We know this stuff, but just some things you you don't and and do should do and and things you shouldn't do when on social media and online. So Allison Shane will join us at about quarter to two. Hoping at some point around two, maybe a bit before, a little after, Councillor Rossi will join us. He is the Minarski Councillor, and he has an idea. Uh, we've been hearing, we don't know numbers yet, but we've been hearing the overtime with police is over budget after they had to work all those Jets whiteout parties. And Rossi has an idea. He says, hey, maybe we should use some of the entertainment tax, maybe some of the hotel tax to pay uh, for some of the party expenses. So we'll talk to Ross Eady at some point, hopefully. And then this televangelist, uh, his name is uh, Jesse Duplantis, Jesse Duplantis. And you know these televangelists, right? I mean, you know, a big part of their job, and, and I'm not dumping on anybody who sends in their money. Um. But some of these guys over the you know past many years have been found out to be 
not such nice guys. They take your money and and uh, they don't necessarily do God's work with it. Well, this Jesse Duplantis, this televangelist, he wants a new jet. This would be his fourth jet. His fourth jet. And I just want to get the price. I think it's 50-some million dollars for this latest jet that this guy wants. And I want to play the audio for you because he's on TV and he has no shame at all. He's telling you why he needs it. It's God told him. 54 million bucks. That's what he needs. The uh, He needs $54 million to buy his fourth jet. It's a Falcon 7X. And you'll hear later on when I play the audio. Why does he want the new jet? What's wrong with his third jet, which seems like a very, very nice jet? Well, this new jet, the Falcon 7X, will allow him to fly anywhere in the world without stopping to refuel. That's why he wants the new jet. God told him. So we'll have that for you, and we'll talk about that. And it's funny because, man, I flash back to my grandma and grandpa. My grandma and grandpa used to support, uh, what's his name, Rex, Rex, uh, Rex Hubbard? No. I'm trying to think who they, who they used to support. Um, but then uh, Jeff Courier mentioned Ernest Angley. Oh, boy. There was, uh, he was an interesting one, that's for sure. So we'll talk about that. And then uh, after the news at 2.30, Dinah Foxhall will join us. She's been down at All Saints Church this morning, and we'll talk more with her later in the show uh, and find out exactly what happens. Do the police need to be called? Did the uh, homeless uh, tent city clear out? We'll find all that out later on in the show. And then, as you know, all kinds of little stuff here and there. I'll squeeze it in wherever I can as we go along. Oh, Uh, Today in history, I usually look at today in history just for the heck of it. I noticed that on this day, uh, May 30th, in 2003, Homer Simpson was named an honorary citizen of Winnipeg. Hmm, Didn't even know. Honorary citizen of Winnipeg, 2003, on this day. By the way, it is Loomis Day. It's Mint Julep Day, Creativity Day, Senior Health and Fitness Day, Save Your Hearing Day, and it's Water a Flower Day today as well. One ten. Rex Humbart. David just texted in. Rex Humbart. That's who my grandparents used to support. That's who they... They liked Billy Graham. They liked Ernest Angley. They liked, but Rex Humbart was the one that they used to support. Thank you, David. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about that church on Broadway and the homeless people in the yard at the church. That's next. All right, quarter after one. I'm in trouble already Already uh, with some of you. Sally says, Hal. This is about the uh, televangelist wanting a new $57 million jet. God told him to get the jet. Sally says, Hal. CJOB also asks for money by having advertising. How else do the bills get paid? Sometimes you guys, you reporters, fly to other countries for news. How does that get paid? All right. Thank you, Sally. I appreciate your text message. And I'm not looking to get in any fights today. I just thought it was interesting. Well, I, oh, let me try and answer your question quickly, Sally. The difference is, there are many differences, I think, but the difference is, the big one, God didn't tell us 
to go and get the news in another country and buy a $57 million jet. But if you want to give this guy money, go crazy. I just thought it was an interesting story. Just going to bring you the story later on. Okay? All right. Now, let's talk about, oh, by the way, um, really uh, upsetting to see that that shooting at Baratalia has turned into a homicide, a murder. Winnipeg police have confirmed that 37-year-old man has been taken off life support. Friends identified him as Noel Ramirez, a father and a chef. The other person, 28-year-old woman, also shot. She was released from hospital. Police continue to investigate, but that is now a murder. And uh, now to this uh, church on Broadway, All Saints Church on West Broadway. I'm sure you've driven by it and seen the tents in the yard there. Uh, They've been there for about six weeks, and the homeless people have been told they have to leave by 2 o'clock today. Got to be out by 2. There's a wedding this weekend, and yeah, you know, I think the church has been really good about letting them stay there, but if you were having your wedding, I think you'd want the, you know. And uh, a couple of interviews, Ardina Foxhall was there, spoke to the reverend. I'll, I'll play a clip of him in just a moment talking about this. But Diana also talked to Terry Johnson, one of the homeless people that has set up a tent there. In fact, he says he was the first one there. When we first started, there was only two tents. Well, there was only one, mine. And uh, it was down in the corner over there. And then we thought uh, we were just staying down there with the snow. And it was all to uh, just keep warm. That's all it was for a while. And then it started slowly growing, and then a lot of other people needed a place to place to camp, and uh, it grew from there into something that's supposed to be, I'm hoping, will be positive. That's with getting uh, shelter for whoever, if they can, and uh, get on the right track again. Get on the right track again. And most of them, I think, want that, to get back on the right track again, right? For whatever reason, they find themselves homeless. Terry Johnson, and as I listened to Diana Foxhall talk to him, some really interesting comments from Terry, and I'll play a couple more here, and then we'll talk. 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Here's Terry talking with Diana about how it's been at the church for the last month and a half or so. Church is great. Uh, The sponsors are all good. Media coverage, I hope, is good. And... I was, yeah, I was going to err, <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's good. It's too sad that we have to leave today, but maybe they'll change their mind. I don't, I don't even know if they put their vote that we come back or we can stay. I'd like to stay. He'd like to stay. Of course, they can't. They got to leave by two. Uh, the church says if they don't leave by two, they will call the police. They don't want to have to do that, but they will. And then now he's talking like, well, maybe we can come back. I don't think the church really wants that either. Uh, Now, whether they would stop them from coming back, I don't know. And one more here. Here's Terry Johnson, homeless at All Saints Church in a tent on West Broadway, talking about himself and the others that are living there. And remember, they're living there. This is where they live, in these tents, in the yard of this church on West Broadway. I guess you'd call it a crew, but... Good family, good friends, right? and they are 100% behind each and every one of us. 
But we argued it like cats and dogs, but if you don't, then you'll never understand each other. And until you really feel that you're, you will be there, you will be. Right? And they, each and every one of us back each another. Right? So that's called community. Right? Same thing that we have out there. Like, uh, you guys should try going with a couple of the really good pickers and uh, yeah, you'll be astounded and amazed at the knowledge that somebody gets and uh, humble, I guess, right? Uh, a lot of the hardships that they do have to go through. And that is maybe next story or something. <laughs> It'd be cool, I, I think. Terry Johnson, good family, good friends. It's his community. And then he talked about the hardships. And he said, maybe that's the next story, right? We're talking today about them because they have to move. It's a story. But these people live like this every day, every day. And that's his community. Those are his, that's his crew. And they've got to move. And I don't know, I, I heard that particular clip right there, and I just thought, yeah, like, you know, uh, I mean, we talk about homeless people, we talk about homelessness, we, I think, all give, you know, however we give, we try and help, but, yeah, you know, the hardships that they have to face. And as we've said many times, you know, the experts tell us, many of us are a paycheck or two away from being there ourselves. Anyhow, I thought it was uh, it was interesting, and... Uh, I don't know, maybe this sounds silly, but I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go down there and see if I can find Terry and invite him in. I thought, you know what, yeah, let's have a, you know, a con now maybe it's not Terry, maybe it's somebody else. And we're always talking to the the experts and the people that, uh, you know, represent the homeless and organizations, great organizations too, by the way. But yeah, as I heard Diana talk, I was jealous. I thought, wow, I wish I was talking to Terry because I had some questions for him. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll see if we can find Terry and and get him in here, Terry and some of his crew, as he puts it, some of his community, his friends. What do you think? 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. And uh, Reverend Brent Newman from All Saints Church on West Broadway. He talked to Global News reporter Diana Foxhall as well. Here's uh, a minute and a half of what he had to say. How do we address this in a way that actually has a Christian response because we could simply send them down the road but that does not really talk about the issue nor does it allow people to see how much the need is and where do we how do we address it as a community and the reality is if they drop in here we are a community and we are called to love our neighbor and so when people come with a need how do we address the need how do we open ourselves to the kind of needs that are being presented it's been, a, it's been a, a real challenge for all of us. It's certainly pressed and stretched every last resource we've had in the community. We've worked as hard as we can. It's not been perfect. We get the few complaints. I mean, the one that, was, that landed on my desk this week was one of those ones is sometimes they're their own worst enemy. Um, someone went out and stole a fire pit and then set it up on our property here. Well, the person who had a stolen front could know, well, of course they were ticked. I'd be ticked too. And, you know, and, and I kind of look and say, you know, people, you're not aware that this is the kind of stuff that creates the sense that you're not wanted when, you, when you're doing stuff that violates other people's, other people's space. 
And that's um, one of the struggles. And uh, the problem is, of course, is everyone here who are in this kind of thing struggle with the exact same issue from each other. I mean, they've got about a 10-foot space around them that they have to protect. And if they can't protect it, they know it's going to be violated. And so if you're violated over and over and over again, it becomes normal. And uh, I don't know how to change that. That's the truth that we have to deal with. Reverend Brent Newman, All Saints Church, West Broadway. The uh, tents now have just over half an hour. They've got to be packed up. They've got to move out. There's a wedding at the church this weekend, and the homeless people will have to move for at least several days. Will they come back? I don't know. Will the church let them come back? I don't know. But there are lots of, uh, you know, bits and pieces to this story, right? As the Reverend just said, you know, um, here they are wanting a place to stay. The church lets them stay. And then they, somebody, one of them goes and takes a, a fire pit from somebody's backyard and plops it down. And yeah, that, you know, that sure, that causes problems. People are more likely to say, go on. You know, we don't want you. We don't want you around here. Your thoughts, please. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. Coming up after we break here for the news, Dr. Tracy Radcliffe, Pot and Our Pets, Allison Shane, social media expert, all that on the way, and a development in the rail strike. Savannah Pierce has details in the news next here. Hal Anderson Afternoons on 680 CJOB. 132 at CJOB. Getting a lot of action by text and on the phone. 204-780-6868. Emails. My inbox always open. Hal at CJOB.com. We will get back to the situation at All Saints Church on West Broadway. We'll do that in a bit. All right. Coming up here in about well, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, 15 minutes, Allison Shane. She has a company called Starling Social. She's basically a social media expert, an influencer, as they call them online. She's an influencer, and she's got a heck of a blog, too, by the way. If you ever go to her website, um, and we'll talk more about that when she uh, uh, joins us by phone, but I thought, you know what? Uh, she'd be a good person to get on today. After what happened in Hollywood with Roseanne and that racist tweet of hers, I think we've all probably put something out on social media or blogged something or Facebook or or whatever where we went, ah, probably shouldn't have said that. Now, nothing racist necessarily. Don't get me wrong. We're not we're not all you know putting out racist tweets and stuff, but. I thought it'd be a good idea to get Allison on today to kind of talk about the do's and don'ts. So Allison Shane will join us here in a bit. And as you know, I've got my uh, my dog, Hershey. Love Hershey. She's listening on the Google Mini at home right now. Hello, Hershey. Hi. Um, love my dog. And um, the vets in Manitoba, the veterinarians in Manitoba, Want to get a message out that, uh, listen, it's always been a bit of an issue, but as pot becomes legal, it might be more of an issue. So they want to make sure they get the message out that pot and pets just do not mix. They just, they don't mix. And uh, joining us on the phone now from the Manitoba Veterinary Medical Association, 
Dr. Tracy Radcliffe. Hello, Tracy. Hi, Hal. How are Hi. you? Great. Thank you for doing this. So uh, pot very soon, or or maybe not very soon, we don't really know, will be legal, and there will likely be more of it. And the veterinarians, like yourself here in the province of Manitoba, are concerned. Explain. Well, we are concerned because um, marijuana... Um, at least the THC component of marijuana, uh, acts very, not very differently, but dogs are much more susceptible to the effects than people are. So where marijuana seems to be quite safe um, in, in people, I, I guess you could say in dogs it's not. Um, uh, it can certainly be toxic. Dogs are the only species uh, actually where we've seen deaths uh, resulting from overdoses hmm. of marijuana. So we're yes, we're certainly concerned about that. And if you suspect a dog has ingested some cannabis, Tracy, what are the symptoms? What should you be looking for in your animal? I mean, we're kind of talking about dogs, but I guess animals in general, right? Right. Um, I, I mean, sometimes it's just They seem to be a little bit sedated or depressed, um, but you can see anything from uh, vomiting, tremors, seizures, even uh, the dogs that I have seen that I have um, suspected or confirmed that got into cannabis often come into the clinic looking like they're comatose, Hmm. really non-reactive and and can stay stay like that for close to 24 hours sometimes. Uh, but most of the time, yeah, they would just seem to be a little bit sedated, and uh, within a few hours that would, would wear off if, the, if they've only got into a small amount anyway. Mm-hmm. And I guess the key is get the dog or whatever the animal is into the vet. Right, yes. Because sometimes um, if, if the ingestion has happened just recently, like within an hour, sometimes we can make them vomit to get rid of that. Um, otherwise, sometimes we have to give them fairly... Uh, supportive therapy. We've had to put them on IV fluids uh, until the effects wear off. Uh, but yeah, it's always it's always a good idea to contact your veterinarian if you suspect that so that they can decide the best course of action. So I guess the key is for animal owners, make sure the cannabis, the pot, and the marijuana is not there that the, the uh, animal can get at it. But I guess as you're walking your dog, you know, as uh, pot becomes legal, there may be more of it out there, and who knows, uh, somebody throws half a joint on the ground, the dog gets at it when you're on a walk, and that can be an issue too. Right, and and yes, with it being legalized, uh, people could have, maybe, they're, I don't know, maybe they're going to have plants in their own home, mm-hmm. uh, there could be more, uh, one of our big concerns is edibles, people, uh, the dogs that have died from marijuana ingestion um, has been because... Uh, the medical marijuana has been put into butter and then uh, made brownies or whatever. Um, so it's it's whether it's more concentrated, but the dogs get into the brownies, uh, and then there's can be an additional toxicity of chocolate or uh, raisins, macadamia nuts, uh, artificial sweeteners. So uh, there can be additional things in there too that that are toxic to the dogs. Yeah, you mentioned medical marijuana there. I'm curious to know humans are treated for uh, some uh, illnesses with pot. Is that possibly the case with dogs or not so much? Well, you can you can um, use or purchase a, a, a form of uh, medical marijuana uh, which doesn't have the THC component, so the psychoactive component is not there. Mm-hmm. So people will know it as CBD oil or, or cannabidiol oil, uh, and that potentially is something that's, that can be safe for dogs, uh, and and some of those products you can buy even over the counter now, uh, and and it certainly could have some some beneficial um, 
properties to it, but yeah, it's it's uh, the medical marijuana. I I think still has the THC component in. It. I'm not entirely sure, but, yeah. but that's the main uh, issue for dogs. Mm-hmm. Well, a really important message, uh, Tracy, for animal owners, especially dog and cat owners: keep the marijuana away from the animals. And if they do ingest some, get them to your vet as quickly as possible. Right, for sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. Anything else before I let you go? No, I, I think that, that, that that's about it. Um, yeah, just don't keep your marijuana up and, and away from uh, access from your pets and, and don't be careless with it. That's, that's I think, could avoid a lot of problems uh, for your pets. Thank you, Tracy. You're welcome. That is uh, Dr. Tracy Radcliffe, Manitoba Veterinary Medical Association, pot and our pets. Um, Somebody uh, sent in a text and said, uh, whoa, you're saying it's not dangerous for humans? Yes. Listen, I know a lot of you believe that pot is dangerous for humans as well. It's just it's not going to put you in necessarily, you know, smoking a bit of pot or putting some pot in a cookie or a brownie is is hopefully not going to, you know, get you to the point where you're comatose, as, as Dr. Radcliffe said, with dogs. Uh, so there you go, Hershey, you heard, right? No pot for you, no pot for my little dash hound, basset hound mix. Uh-uh. Hey, we, we normally do birthdays. Uh, Jeff Courier likes to do birthdays. I like to rattle off the birthdays every day, too. And the other day, it was Kylie Minogue's birthday. And I have always liked Kylie Minogue. Back when I was young and in the clubs all the time when she had Locomotion, which we played the other day for her birthday. Well, Kylie Minogue is celebrating her 50th birthday by releasing a new music video. She's got a new album out. It's called Golden. And she has released a video to go along with the title track from the album. It's called Golden. Uh, The video has Kylie frolicking on a beach, on a bed, in the streets. It also features some candid close-up makeup-free shots of Kylie. And I'm telling you, she has always been stunningly beautiful and incredibly talented. But at the age of 50, these shots of her in this video with no makeup, incredible. The video was shot in Cuba. It's really good, and I thought we'd play a bit of the song Heading to a break. Kylie Minogue. Golden. Kind of an interesting, it's almost got like a Western feel to it. And I don't know, it's just a cool song. Golden. Kylie Minogue on CJOB. One forty-seven. we found out yesterday, actually at around this time, a little before the show started, that uh, Roseanne was done at ABC. ABC canceled her uh, sitcom, Roseanne, 
reboot, of course, uh, was big in the 90s, and they brought it back, and it was really even bigger, even bigger. But then Roseanne, well, she sent out a racist tweet, and we don't need to go into the details again. Even the maker of a popular sleeping pill is speaking out about Roseanne Barr's explanation for that racist tweet that got her fired at ABC. Here's Warren Levinson. Roseanne Barr apologized for the racist tweet that got her hit show canceled at ABC. She urged people not to defend her when the comedian insulted former Obama advisor Valerie Jarrett. Barr explained she was Ambien tweeting. Sanofi Pharmaceuticals was not about to let that one pass. The company that makes Ambien issued a tweet of its own, asserting that while all pharmaceuticals have side effects, racism is not a known side effect of any of its products. Barr, by the way, had promised to stay off Twitter, a promise she broke with the tweet about Ambien. Yeah, no kidding. We were talking about that this morning in the newsroom, in the news meeting. You know, often these apologies are really just excuses, right? And Roseanne Barr's excuse, uh, good for Ambien for firing back and saying, you know, last time we looked at the bottle, you know, racism is not a symptom of of Ambien. Allison Shane is a local social media expert. She is an influencer. Her company is called Starling Social, and Allison is on the phone now. Hi, Allison. Hi there. Hi, nice to chat with you again. Yeah, good to be chatting with you as well. So obviously, uh, Roseanne gets in big trouble with this racist tweet. And listen, not that any of us are necessarily tweeting racist stuff, but I thought maybe it was a good opportunity for us to kind of just sort of do a 101 on social media. And you're one of the leading social media people in town with your Starling Social Company. I guess, first of all, your initial reaction to uh, the tweet from Roseanne. Not so much the content, but here we go, another star, another celebrity, tweeting something horribly inappropriate. Okay, well, here's here's the thing about Roseanne Bardo, is that this is not the first time she has said something like this. Right. Uh, Roseanne Barr has a history of saying kind of... um, inflammatory things online and spreading conspiracy theories. Uh, I was actually listening to an NPR interview this morning where a reporter was saying that she said at a press conference before the release of her new show that uh, uh, she had her son go back through her Twitter account and delete a bunch of older, like inappropriate things that she had said in preparation for the show. Yeah. So it isn't the first time she said it. Um, I'm not, terribly surprised i am surprised at the vulgarity of the things that she said um yeah so for your listeners uh, who may not have read the tweet it's since been deleted uh she i'm paraphrasing here but it was something to the effect of like muslim muslim brotherhood plus planet of the apes equals vj um vj refers to a barack obama or a a former advisor to president obama yeah valerie jarrett who she accused of um participating in a cia spying cover-up so that's kind of the basis for that i don't think it's surprising that she said it but it's certainly um definitely not appropriate uh, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, with the success of the reboot of her Roseanne show, obviously, 
you know, the spotlight's on her again. And so she's not getting away with saying some stuff that maybe she got away with before because she wasn't involved with a big network or a, or, or a big show. But what are some good things to keep in mind? Because maybe we don't, uh, you know, put out there a racist tweet, but we might tweet something inappropriate. I guess maybe the best advice that comes to mind for me, you're the expert, you tell me is just before you hit that button, sending it out there, just read it through and really think, is that what I want to say? Yeah, well, my my best advice when it comes to sharing things on social media is to ask yourself, am I comfortable saying this in front of a room full of strangers? Because at the end of the day, that's what the internet is. Yeah, your friends are there and your family's there, but really it's you're shouting into a room full of people that don't know you, don't understand the context in which you're saying something, may not get that you're making a joke. So it's really good to keep that that kind of perspective in mind before you say anything, especially if it's relating to something inflammatory or if it's politically charged in any way. Because, of course, as we all know, we live in very sensitive political times right now. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think what you just said there is is a really important 30 seconds. Hey, um, I really enjoy your blog. You can check it out at allisonshane.com. That's Allison with a Y, A-L-Y-S-O-N, Shane, S-H-A-N-E.com. Uh, your blog. I just read your uh, post about suburbs, and while uh, it's very opinionated, it's certainly nothing <laughs> in a, nothing inappropriate. But as you send that out there, and you get some criticism and some support for it too, uh, do you ever look at something you post on your blog or on your social media feeds and go, "Ah, oh, boy, I probably shouldn't have said it that way." Oh my goodness! Of course, everybody has moments where we wish we could walk something back, mm. but. The, the thing that I try and remember with the things that I'm sharing is that I'm speaking from my own perspective. I try and be as well-researched, and I try and be um, as objective as I can while sharing a subjective opinion. So for you, to use your example about the post about the suburbs, um, I'm a big advocate for downtown living. Anybody who follows me online knows that I'm a big fan of public transit, sustainability, smart urban design. So these things matter to me. Mm-hmm. And I, because I I have people who read my blog, I feel that these values are important to share because we don't talk about these things enough. And a lot of people don't think about the good and bad things of the current way that we are building suburban sprawl in North America. So yeah, it might upset some people, but at the same time, I'm not saying like, you're an idiot because you live in the suburbs and I hate you. Mm -hmm. My, like that kind of messaging is, or the messaging that I'm trying to apply rather would be, hey, this actually isn't a very good way to design spaces that are good for people. Maybe we can start talking about this. So, I mean, there are ways of having discussions about difficult or challenging topics without it resorting into a screaming war on the Internet. You just have to do your best to try and be, like I said, uh, be as objective as you can while sharing your subjective opinion and be respectful of other people. Yeah, and sometimes people take it the wrong way, right? I mean, you know, we're responsible for the message, but we're not necessarily responsible for how somebody might take it. Yeah, and one thing that I should definitely mention is, um, this is this is age-old internet lore, is never feed trolls. It's one thing to get into a discussion with somebody online. So, for example, I talk about public transit and the importance of public transit a lot on Twitter. Yeah. But I'm not going to call anybody names. And the minute that somebody starts using names or slurs against me or starts threatening me, I tune out immediately. There's no sense in engaging with someone like that. It doesn't do any party any good. Least of all, you as the person trying to have a discussion, right? Yeah. Don't feed the trolls. Again, very good. Yeah. Very good advice. 
uh, from Allison Shane. Hey, with your blog as well, you get pretty personal. You talked about your breast reduction several years ago, and I wonder how that is. You're sharing some pretty personal information. Is that difficult sometimes? You know what? Um, there's a really good quote. I forget who said it, but I'm a writer, first and foremost. And I read this great, great quote years ago that said, if you want to be a good writer in your 20s, you have to write like your parents are already dead. Um, I'm 30 now, so I'm a little out of that bracket. But again, I have a platform. People listen to what I have to say to some degree, right? I have people who read it, as you know. Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I feel that I have a responsibility as somebody who's comfortable talking about these things to share these experiences because people don't talk about this stuff very often. And I mean, we are moving into a space where people and women especially feel more empowered to talk about these kinds of personal topics. Mm -hmm. And I want to lend my voice to that discussion because I think I have some positive things to say. You sure do. Keeping it real. Nothing wrong, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. And anybody who listens to me on the radio knows that I try and do the same thing. Keeping it real. That Allison, thank you very much. I really appreciate your help. Thank you as well. How good chatting with you. Uh, Allison Shane, she has a company called Starling Social. She is a social media ex. Like she will do your social media for you. That's basically what her company does. Uh, she's an influencer. That's what they call these people on social media that have some influence. She's an influencer, and she really does have a great blog. She's a really good writer, and she tackles some really interesting stuff at her blog. Again, it's just her name, AllisonShane.com. Allison Shane. Dot com. we got a break for the news at 2. I just heard from Ross Eady, so we'll talk to the Minerski counselor after the news. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Thank you, Savannah. 204. Happy Wednesday, everybody. How's it going? 204-780-6868. If you want to weigh in on anything we're talking about, Hal at CJOB.com. Inbox is always open. Minerski city counselor Ross Eady uh, joins us on the phone now. Ross, hi. How are you? Good hell. Excellent. Hey, thanks for doing this. Um, we didn't really talk too much about this yesterday, and I, I saw a quote from you, and I thought, I want to get you on because we found out that uh, I guess the police over time was projected to be under budget for the year, but now it's over, and it's primarily because of the Jets' whiteout parties and the police that were required to be there. And you've got an interesting idea. You're saying, hey, maybe we should take some money from the hotel tax or the entertainment tax to help pay the bill. Tell me about your idea. Well, that's right. And actually, I pointed out that there was lots of there was uh, they were selling two beers for fifteen dollars a piece uh, outside on the street there at the whiteout. Uh, so some I don't know what business was making money there, but. Uh, uh, obviously, the police had to be there. So the the whole idea here is uh, the whiteout and all this stuff generated uh, accommodation tax money. It uh, generated uh, entertainment tax, the whole uh, Jets uh, thing indoor. And uh, all I'm saying is uh, ultimately the police service, we've been budgeting on the edge and they've actually, we've reduced overtime costs for the police service for well, three, last three or four years, uh, three years anyway. Uh, through uh, utilizing officers in a better way. So uh, the thing is, our budgets are right on the edge for the police service, and there's there's no way we can figure out or find efficiencies to cover off the extra costs related to it. So all I'm saying is there's a lot of people who made lots of money uh, regarding the success of the Jets, and hey, listen, I'm not opposed to having a big whiteout and everything, and the police did have to be there. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, there was extra entertainment tax made. There was 
hotel accommodation tax made. Uh, you know, I don't know how many people came into town for the whiteout, but there were people coming into town to uh, be take part of the uh, playoffs, right? So um, that's all I'm saying. Um, I believe the mayor is saying that somehow the police service has to suck it up and find efficiencies. Well, we had to do that in the budget. We uh, came in at a really low amount, and uh, ultimately the costs need to be covered. And we did have to have police there. At the peak, there was, I think, 232 officers at the where the biggest crowd was there. Yeah, and, and uh, it's funny because I sort of made this argument in the news meeting here at CJOB this morning. I said, listen, I, I love the party. I was following the Jets. I'm so proud of the way our city looked, uh, you know, around the world, all those people at the whiteout parties and stuff. But I do understand some people out there that maybe aren't big hockey fans and they're getting ready to pay their property taxes, right, coming up next month. And they're going, well, isn't that interesting? My property taxes are up. And uh, the police budget is, uh, the overtime budget is uh, in the red, and uh, I'm helping to pay for that, uh, and the cost uh, was a result of this big party. So I I do understand some people, again, I'll preface it, and, and you said the same thing, love the party, love everything about it, but yeah, there's a cost involved, and, and who should have to pay that? Well, that's exactly right. Who should have to pay for it? And, and just to be clear, uh, so we have a budget target we have to be uh, make as a police service. Yeah. Uh, and um, so essentially what's going to happen is if there, and there is nowhere to find any extra money uh, to pay for that overtime uh, in the budget as tight as it is. So at the end of the year, there's going to be a deficit. Uh, ultimately, it would come out of a contingency fund, but and ultimately that is property taxpayers uh, dollars. And then the only way to find the money then would be to cut services in other places. Mm-hmm. Or, or have vacancy management, then we can't do any cuts in the police service because they're having, you know, the whiteout was great. And the reason people are working overtime there is we have a lot of officers trying to respond to he- bigger and bigger demands on the police service uh, over the last four years. Like it, it just keeps rising. And uh, we've actually uh, lost a number of uh, police positions over the last three, four years. And so they're doing the best they can, right? So yeah. uh, so where do we cut services? I, I don't think if I'm paying my property taxes, I, I don't want any of my services cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Hey, Ross, like you're, uh, you're, you're running in Minarski again, eh, in October? Uh, yes, I'll be registering on June 30th, yep. Yeah, and the only reason I ask is we were talking about the latest person to jump into the mayor's race yesterday, and one of the questions we were asking is, how do we get more good people to run for public office? Because it's a tough gig. You guys have a tough gig and all the stuff that comes with it. How do we get more good people to run for council and mayor? Uh <laughs> I mean, it's very difficult. Um, uh, for me, some of the biggest frustrations, I am a human being. Uh, I might have considered running for mayor, but uh, things happen or whatever, and uh, apparently we're not human and we have to be perfect. But And, and people look at that as well, right? And uh, the thing is, to run for mayor, you have to be able to raise a fair amount of money, or even to run against an incumbent, you have to raise a fair amount of money to try to win, right? Right. And... Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much people want to get paid, but it's, it's, you know what, it is a lot of work. If you're really doing what you're saying you're doing, you're not going to get reelected if you're actually not doing your job. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, 
I just, you know, I was looking at mayor, but I don't have, I don't know enough people to raise uh, over $200,000 to run a, a potentially successful campaign, right? That's what so, you think it would cost to run a good, strong campaign, eh? 200 grand? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. To, to run a, like, uh, that fellow who just registered, right? So I don't, I don't know what his source of raising revenue, and he'll, he'll try to mount a, a, a good campaign. But yep. uh, Mayor Bowman spent almost two hundred thousand last time around there. Yep. Uh, the other, some of the other candidates didn't spend as much, and mm-hmm. you know, it all depends on how the media picks you up too. But if you, you know what, it costs less if you have a bigger name. Yeah, right. right, That people recognize across the city. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, to run a successful campaign, you have to be able to raise a lot of money. And then that means you have to start talking to, like, the mayors. uh, You know, uh, he gets support from the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. And you have to put all those people together. And actually, uh, in the last election, Gord Steves and uh, Bowman were both are fighting to get the same supporters, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and uh, that kind of stuff. And that uh, that $200,000 number, that that shocks me, uh, and, I'll, and, and it sort of, you know, goes to what I'm saying, right? How many people can come up with two hundred grand? I mean, I realize it comes from supporters. It's not money out of your bank. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of good people out there that would do a great job in one of the areas like you in Minarski uh, or, or as mayor of Winnipeg. But where do you ever find that kind of money? Yeah, like to run a basic campaign in, in say, well, the Monarchy Ward's getting bigger by 9,000 people, so it's yeah. going to be even bigger. But, you know, basically just to run for council, just to run a, a basic campaign and have enough science and everything, that's that's at least 15,000. And But a winning campaign is spending somewhere around 25 to 30 probably, right? Wow. So, so and you got to find people to, to do that, and, and you work hard at it, and you have mm-hmm. to find supporters. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's that aspect to it. And actually, at the end of the day, if you spent more money in the end, uh, you can get disqualified from ever running again, but you could end up with lots of debt. Um, previous uh, mayoralty campaign uh, candidates who tried to spend money were financially stuck, right? Yeah. Unless you're independently wealthy or you know lots of people with lots of disposable income, mm-hmm. you you could end up, going bankrupt at the end because yeah. ultimately you as the candidate are responsible for any debt that's left over at the end. So you mm-hmm. got to be very careful in how you spend. And Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, one more thing. Uh, we've got this uh, uh, these homeless people at All Saints Church on West Broadway yeah. that have been moved out of there. What, what, I'm sure this issue comes up at, at City Hall often in your council meetings. What more can we be doing for, for homeless mm-hmm. people in Winnipeg, Ross? Wow, that big, we're, pro- we're big on problem. A, yeah. We're on a really lengthy topic, but you know they're being moved from there. And what happens is when they get moved from different places, it's happened sort of around the river in the uh, East Exchange area, for example, right? Mm. Uh, they'll move into other wards. So yeah, people, we talk about it. So ultimately, you got to get at the root causes of uh, of why they're homeless and uh, trying to get that. Uh, I, the feds in the province supposedly have a new uh, housing plan, but like uh, affordable housing for these people, it's not mid-range uh, cost like $800 a month or whatever, which is mid-range or whatever. You need, it has to be rent geared to income. And because uh, some of these people have <laughs> basically, even if you're on income assistance and you're a single person, say with a disability, mm. uh, you know, your income is very low. Don't so, have much, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and we've had those. Uh, uh, my sister in the past was very uh, difficult spot. A single mom didn't have an education stuff. She lucked out and found a rent geared to income while she was studying to be a nurse, and now she's a nurse and she's making a living, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, others, you know, it's addictions like mental illness. There's, there's so many so issues. Many yeah. Mental illness. There's so many reasons that people are homeless. You know, and this meth mm-hmm. uh, thing is now a real problem in that. Yeah. In that, like. Like I've heard from moms who who just can't have their kids in the house anymore because they feel afraid. Yeah, and but there's like, what do you do, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's so a big it's a big problem. Is, I, I just I just thought maybe you had some thoughts on these. Uh, there is a solution. I'll just give you. There sure. is a solution. Yep. You can provide housing, but you know what? Housing costs money, right? Mm. That's ultimately what that's what it comes down to, and then. Uh, uh, so right now, is there enough money being spent? And Winnipeg isn't the only place with this problem, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it seems like we're trying to do more and more with less and less Ross. And that's, uh, that's uh, a big problem. And, and how you solve it? I, I, I don't know. People want well, to spend less. You have they to build don't, they... into, you have to build independence within them because a lot of these people, when you have addictions and stuff, they mm. the only independence they have is to live out on the street. But yeah. you know, like, Somehow you have to build the strengths within them to overcome a lot of the problems. Right. And uh, and then you have to be able to try to find employment. And, you know, a lot of those people don't have ed- education, right? So yeah. here's the problem. Our new service-based society here, the manufacturing jobs are far and few between. You can't do anything with uh, less than a grade 12. Where are you going to get a job? Like a lot of these people don't have that. Yeah. Ross, uh, we'll talk more about that and other stuff soon. Rossi, thank you very much. Thank you, Al. All right, Ross is the councillor in Monarski, and uh, he says he'll be running and uh, considered uh, running for mayor, but just not going to do it this time around. 216, we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about this this televangelist. He wants a $57 million jet, a brand new one. He's had three over the years. This is his fourth one, and God told him, God told him, that he needs this new jet, and he needs your help, and we'll talk about it when we come back. Hal and CJOB. All right, coming up on 2.22, just enough time to talk about this uh, televangelist. He says God told him he needs a $54 million jet. Sorry, I said $57 million. It's $54 million. That's a deal. That's a deal. And this guy has asked his followers to pay for it. Uh, his name is, oh boy, let me find it now. His name is Jesse Duplantis, Jesse Duplantis. And uh, here he is explaining how God told him that he needs to get this new jet. By the way, this is his fourth jet that he's had over the years. He's had very nice jets. He's got a real nice one now, but he wants this one. It's a Falcon 7X. million. Here's Jesse explaining how God spoke to him. It was one of the greatest statements the Lord ever told me. He said, Jesse, you want to come up where I'm at? And I said, what do you mean? He said that before you ask, I'll answer Isaiah 65, 24. I said, yes, Lord. He said, I want you to believe me for a Falcon 7X. So I said, okay. But the first thing I thought of was how I'm going to pay for it. And then that great statement that he told me in 1978 flooded into my mind and said, Jesse, I didn't ask you to pay for it. I ask you to believe for it. 
He believes for it. And you, he hopes, will pay for it. Now, as I said earlier, I have no problem with you sending money to whoever you want. But I don't know. Come on. This is just a little bit, you know. Well, let me play one more clip for you. Now, why does he need this $54 million Falcon 7X jet? And by the way, as he says this, he's standing in front of pictures of his other three jets. All right. And then the fourth picture right now is the uh, is the Enterprise. All right. And he's explaining that he wants to replace the picture of the Enterprise with his new Falcon 7X jet, $54 million. But here he is explaining in front of these photos of his jets why he needs the new jet. We're believing God for a brand new Falcon 7X so we can go anywhere in the world one stop. Now, people say, my Lord, can't you go with this one? Yes, but I can't go at one stop. And you see, if I can do it with one stop, I can fly it for a lot cheaper because I have my own fuel farm. And that's what's a blessing of the Lord. But this one here, I have to stop. And then you pay those exorbitant prices for jet fuel all over the world. Oh, well, yes. Then let me sign a check. Absolutely. He wants the new jet, the Falcon 7X, so he doesn't have to stop and fuel up. He can travel anywhere in the world nonstop, start to finish. I don't know. If my dad were around, my dad would, if I went to my dad with a story like that, my dad would say, do you realize how much fuel you can buy for $54 million? You want to get this new Falcon 7X jet so you don't have to land and fuel up? Come on. Now, as I said, if you want to get, my grandparents used to, uh, I think it was David reminded me, I couldn't remember the name of the televangelist, but it was Rex Humbard. My grandparents used to support Rex Humbard. That's fine. Billy Graham, there's many, There's there have been some shysters over the years, and there have been some good ones, and I have no problem with whoever you want to support, and if you want to support this guy in his jet, go crazy. I just, I don't know, just seems uh, this one's a little bit, a little bit out there for me, but that's... Just me. All right, coming up on the show here, we got the news uh, with Savannah Pierce here in just a moment. And then Diana Foxhall is going to join us after the news. We're going to talk with her about All Saints Church on West Broadway. And we'll go to the phones and talk to you about that situation as well. We'll play a couple of clips, too. We'll play another uh, Terry Johnson clip. This is one of the homeless people that's been staying there. And Reverend Brent Newman as well. So stick around. Oh, and we've got uh, Tough Trivia. Coming up, too. Got to do that uh, in, uh, say, 20 minutes from now. So don't go anywhere. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Thank you very much, Savannah. It is 2.32. So uh, the tents at that church on West Broadway, All Saints Church, were to be out of there about half an hour ago. Diana Foxall, one of our Global News reporters, uh, was down there this morning talking with the Reverend. I'll have a clip from Reverend Brent Newman in a moment. And also spoke with the first person to set up a tent there, Terry Johnson, one of the homeless. I want to play a clip from him as well. And then we'll go to the phones and get your thoughts on this, 204-780-6868. Diana Foxhall is here now in studio. Uh, you're back. What is the latest? Have they moved the tents? They have moved the tents. From the sounds of it, there is one lone holdout, but it sounds like the church is being very patient. Uh, as you mentioned, there was a 2 o'clock deadline for mm. the people to move out today. That's off, That's kind of coming up to this weekend. The church is having a wedding, and Reverend Newman promised the couple, he would have the property cleaned out. 
So these people have been kind of packing up all day. Some of them have been tearing down their tents and putting stuffs in carts and baby buggies, that sort of thing. Um, others have just been gathering things and moving on. So it's been a process. At about 2 o'clock, Reverend Newman did come out and sort of gently started encouraging people to pick it up. And at this point in time, it seems pretty well cleared up. One person's still kind of holding tight, so we'll see where we get on that. But no calls to the cops just yet, although that was something that Reverend Newman mentioned he might have to do if if it came to it. Yeah, said he didn't want to, but that he would do this. The wedding is coming on the weekend. They've known for a long time that 2 o'clock today was sort of when they needed to be out of there. And as far as you know, there's one holdout, eh? Yes, that is what uh, my global colleague Tim Brooke is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spotted a picture of his on Twitter. He says... It's pretty darn clear. This morning there were six or seven tents and tarps and whatnot. Um, Those are looking all down at this point. There's just one person really holding on tight. From what I heard this morning, most people were willing to move on. Some of them have been there for six weeks. Mm. That's a pretty generous amount of time to stay in one place. Yeah. And... It's just kind of the time to go with this coming up. Mm -hmm. And Reverend Newman did say that some of the church members last night did have a bit of a meeting. They had a vote on whether or not they would allow people to come back yeah, later that's one after of the, the that's wedding. one of the questions yeah will they will they be able to come back yes yeah, so what what is happening is uh, after the wedding if people come camp out overnight but they're gone by the morning the church has no problem with that as Reverend Newman says they can't patrol the building 24 7 that's right. just a bit much I mean they're not there overnight anyways so it's mm-hmm. not really any skin off of their backs if someone pops up a tent in yeah. their yard but, but they won't be able to camp there no, non-stop there uh, won't be that tent city that we've mm-hmm. seen for the past six weeks all right Diana Foxall thank you very much appreciate your uh, help with this story uh, Diana talked to one of the homeless there apparently he was the first to set up a tent his name is uh, Terry Johnson and I, I I played a few clips at the start of the show today I wanted to play this one I, I really, as I listened to uh, Diana talk to Terry, uh, and this is the one that sort of tugged on my heartstrings a bit, um, you know, we're a paycheck or two away from maybe finding ourselves in this situation, right? And and there's mental ill. I mean, there's so many reasons why somebody ends up homeless. But here is Terry Johnson uh, he was chatting with our Diana Foxhall earlier today. I guess you'd call it a crew, but... Oh, and by the way, let me explain. He's talking about him and the rest of them that are, are camping there. As you heard, most of them are out now, but... Uh, and he refers to them as his crew. Let me just set it up uh, a bit better. I guess you'd call it a crew, but good family, good friends. Right? And they are 100% behind each and every one of us. We argue like cats and dogs, but if you don't, then you'll never understand each other. Until you really feel that you're, you will be there, you will be. And each and every one of us back each another. So that's called community. Same thing that we have out there. Like You guys should try going with a couple of the really good pickers, and you'll be astound and amazed at the knowledge that somebody gets and uh, humble I guess right uh, a lot of the hardships that they do have to go through and that is maybe next story or something it would be cool I think the next story maybe talking about the hardships that these homeless people have to face on a 
on a daily basis. He talked about good friends, good family, his community. It's his crew. Well, they've moved out for the most part now, and I guess we'll see if they go back in and spend nights there. But the church is not going to allow them to camp, set up tents, and stay there uh, 24 hours a day. Reverend Brent Newman says that just will not happen after uh, today. Here is Reverend Newman. By the way, um, someone went out and stole a fire pit and then set it up on our property here. Sorry, I'm not setting these clips up very well. So he's talking about one of the problems they've had, and they've had some problems. Overall, it's been not bad, he says. But one of the problems they had was when stum- uh, somebody stole a fire pit, he explains. Um, someone went out and stole a fire pit and then set it up on our property here. Well, the person who had it stolen from could now, well, of course they were ticked. I'd be ticked too. And, you know, and, and I kind of look and say, you know, people... You're not aware that this is the kind of stuff that creates the sense that you're not wanted when you when you're doing stuff that violates other people's other people's space, and that's um, one of the struggles. And uh, the problem is, of course, is everyone here who are in this kind of thing struggle with the exact same issue from each other. I mean, they've got about a 10-foot space around them that they have to protect, and if they can't protect it, they know it's going to be violated. And so, if you're violated over and over and over again, it becomes normal. And uh, I don't know how to change that. That's the truth that we have to deal with. Very tough problem, Reverend Brent Newman there. Let's go to the phones on this, 204-780-6868. And Pat joins us. Hi, Pat, CJOB. Hi. Hi. Yeah, just a couple of questions, uh, you know, listening to uh, what's going on with these homeless people. Mm. And, uh, you know, why haven't they applied for social assistance and and things like that? And, uh, I mean, I'm sure they could. And then who's providing them with, you know, uh, bathroom facilities and washing and, and food? Uh, you know, the church has been very generous, from my understanding. But, yeah, for sure, enough's enough. But uh, I'm sure there's other alternatives for these poor people. You know, I mean, I feel for them. I really do. Yeah. But, but they must be, you know, made uh, aware somehow that they can get you know, some assistance from the government, at least I'm sure they could. Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, Silo Mission is is one place, right? But they don't always have enough room and and Siloam is expanding. And some of these people want to be on the street. Some of them, you know, don't necessarily want their life to change. Some do. But boy, I'll tell you, it's it's a vicious circle, Pat. I can't imagine how hard it must be uh, you know, for the ones that are out there that do want to get back into, you know, living in a home and, and applying for so, I mean, you know, you say apply for social assistance. I mean, these people have their entire lives in a bag or a shopping cart. It's I, I couldn't imagine, Pat. Yeah, no, neither can I. It's just that, you know, you would think that, you know, they, they would think a little bit and maybe try to, you know, um, um, better themselves by even, you know, I mean, sucking down the you know, the shame, if that's what they're feeling or whatever, or if not, anyway, the thing is, there are alternatives that they could do. I think you ask questions that a lot of people ask, Pat, but, you know, I I think, you know, you say, uh, these people are just trying to survive minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day. It's it's such a, again, I I don't have answers for you, Pat. You're asking questions that I think a lot of people ask, uh, but uh, I don't know. This is why it's such a, such a tough, hard problem to solve. Yeah, it is. And I yeah. just can't wrap my head around why these people don't yeah. make an effort, you know. Mm. Well, Pat, anyway, I, thank just you. my thoughts. Yeah, okay, I appreciate the call. Thanks okay, a bye. lot. And Kelly's on the phone. Hi, Kelly. Hi there. Hi, how's it going? Good. Love your show. Um, my opinion, 
uh, frankly, I've been by that area, and I think it's uh, it shouldn't be happening. It's private property. There are resources available for uh, you know certain uh, people that are in their situations. We have shelters they can stay at. Um, community. The gentleman earlier was mentioning community. Uh, it just kind of threw me back. How's that community? Community is where we respect our space and our area, and we clean and we take care of and manage and maintain our area. It's, it's not being cared for it's not being cleaned for there's just so much uh going on there addictions people using drugs drinking yeah i think um, i think all of that is true in some cases not all cases i don't think we should be stereotyping you know some of these people were just working a job and living in a in an apartment or a house just like you and me kelly at at some point and 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 who knows how they got there right i'm two paychecks away too but what i do is i work every day i go to labor ready if i have to Mm -hmm. there's work available for people um i understand that the 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 soft-heartedness of it that yeah. people have to in society look at it as. Okay, mental illness is a big part of this, Kelly. Mental illness is part of it, you know? Yeah, that's very much so. Yeah. Um, and resources are available. Uh, I yeah. myself suffer from mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I do see doctors. I do take my medication. Right. I do maintain what I need to do in order to uh, to survive in, in this world. Yeah. Um, but private property, they are, I don't believe they should be able to just camp anywhere that they want to. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that either. I, I actually don't think that they should be able to do that either. The church has been very generous. Um, I, I guess maybe I'm just, I don't know. I, I listened to Terry Johnson, and I just guess, I guess today we just talked to Pat and now you, and, and I guess I'm just feeling a little more compassion today. You have more I, compassion. The reality of it is, though, are they trying to do things to help change their lives or mm. are they just doing what is available for them at that moment yeah you understand uh, like uh, that gentleman you're speaking to does he have mental health issues does he have addiction issues has he yeah. tried or is he trying to i've been by there um unfortunately my life has changed i changed my life around 10 years ago i was in a recovering addict i've been sober for a long period of time now good for you but at that time I would take whatever easy way was that was right. given to me. Any any way that I could not have to go and change my life or fix my life, I would mm-hmm. do it. And if we're going to allow people to simply camp where they want, live where they want, do what they want, how is that going to change or give them the motivation to change? Yeah, yeah, it's you make not, a, you make a good point, Kelly. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I'm I'm proud of you yeah. for the changes you've made. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you keep on having a great show. I love listening. All to right. You. you take care. Okay, Thanks, bye-bye. Kelly. And Bob. Hello, Bob. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a perfect example of what the um, mental health strategy that was just recently released and commissioned is trying to address. And you can't deal with these things in isolation. Yeah. This is one symptom of a huge problem. And unless we get our act together and coordinate our mental health intervention, Mm -hmm. our shelter, everyone knows that one of the best strategies is you start with housing. Yeah. And and yet we, we lack. Yeah. We lack the, the political will to coordinate mm-hmm. a lot of good people out there, including the churches that are, are trying to do their bit. But when you're a bunch of band-aids and we got an open bleeding wound, uh, we got a problem. Thank you, Bob. You bet. All right, and uh, we've got Richard and Brent still on the phone. I'll get to you in a second. I just want to read this uh, email from Lindsay Hallett, CGOB.com. 
Hal, I can't for the life of me understand why you would be jealous of these people. I didn't say I was jealous. Earlier on, I did not say I was jealous of them. I said I was jealous of our Diana Foxhall, who got a chance to talk to Terry Johnson, one of the homeless people, because I would like to have found out about him, understood him a little better. Uh, and then she goes on to say, do you truly hear what you're saying to your audience? Well, you mis- you misheard me. Uh, Hal, you say this is a community. This is still Lindsay. You say this is a community. Give me a break. These individuals have no idea of what community living is about. Well, Kelly kind of made that point too. But it, this is his community, I guess, is my point, right? This is... This is, these are his friends and family, as he called them. So I understand the tough love part of this, guys. Like even Kelly, who 10 years ago turned his life around, he's saying these guys need some tough love. I get it. I just, am I the only big, soft, gooey heart in the room today? I I just, I just feel bad for them. And, uh, and, and maybe I'm, you know, maybe we do need to be tougher. I don't know. Uh, but today, that's kind of how I'm feeling about this story. Anyhow, Richard, uh, let's get Richard on, and then Brent. Hi, Richard. Hello? Yes, what do you think? Uh, well, you know what? I'm a long-time resident of West Broadway area. Mm-hmm. I go uh, I go to a gappy table, you know, for breakfast once in a while. And, yep. that. and you know what? That that town or that village, yep. it's Jib Town. You know what Jib is? No. Jib is Crystal Mist. It's mm. the street name for for crystal meth is Jib, and that's Jib Town. That's mm. all it is. There's uh, I think there's that one guy you talked to, and then you know what? On the same side of that, there's this old lady there. I think she's in her seventies, and they were supposed to get her apartment, and she's living in a tent there. So yeah. I could see both sides of the story. But well, and Ross out. and Ross Eady earlier on, uh, Monarski Councilor said that too that meth is is a re- is a real but problem. That, that is, all that is is Jib Town. They're just a bunch yeah. of criminals. And you know what? I lived in West Broadway, and I, I see it every day. I mean, it's it's not a nice thing to to, to watch people. And I've seen people come from living in a house yeah. to living in, a, in an apartment to living on the street. Yeah. But it's not... I guess you could call it mental issues. You're telling you're te- what you're telling me, Richard, is they're pulling the wool over my eyes a bit, are they? That's what they're doing. It's, yeah. it's Jib Town. That's all they do. All okay. they do every night, they go out and steal. Yeah. And they and they got dealers sitting well, I, there. I, I listen. I, I understand. Yeah, I understand. That's an element of it. I just I I hate talking in terms of all of them, but I appreciate the call, Richard, and I I know that's a part of it for sure. And one more quick call before we break. We're running late here, Brent. Quickly, please. Hey, Hal. Listen, real, real quick. Um, I kind of, you know, agree with if there's a mental health issue. Totally agree. These people need help. But just like your last caller, if that thing's going on, but also with with any homeless people, that, whether it's mental health or whatever, you know, I, I don't. I, I could be here for an hour talking about this. Yeah. But everybody that we're letting walk across the border, mm. not the proper, not the proper way. Not coming to our border and, you know, or applying the proper way. But all these people that are coming across, that we're just letting them walk, the RCMP, come on in, come on in, yeah. come on in. And tell me where those people are in two months. Okay. Yeah, they it's kind of, it's, it's, they got it, it, it's, they got it, all that. But we yeah. got help on these homeless people. Okay. It's kind of, kind of off issue, Brenton. A lot of those people that, uh, I don't know, am I the bleeding heart liberal? To, am I the, the big softy here today, the, the bleeding heart liberal? Listen, and people that if they are addicted to meth, they deserve help. And I don't, 
I don't have the answers. I just, I guess maybe I'm feeling a little more compassionate about them today, and, and maybe I'm the fool. Maybe I'm the guy. Maybe I'm the guy sending money to the televangelist so he can get his $50 million jet. Maybe that's me today. I don't know. <laughs> we got a break. We're real late here. 249 at CJOB. All right, 254. You know what? Uh, I am just going to give away right now 204 780 6868 our uh, Fab Four tickets. Somebody's going to get Fab Four tickets right now. The Ultimate Beatles tribute, June 8th at Club Regent Event Center. Jeff Forche producing the show today. As always, he is going to pick a winner. You just go to the phone and pick a winner, pal, because we don't really have time to do tough trivia here, and I want to squeeze this in. Somebody, uh, there was no name on the text message at 204-780-6868. They suggested I play this uh, this song, Ray Stevens, so I'm going to play it to the news here at 3 o'clock. It just kind of fits with that televangelist story I had earlier on. Would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? Love it. The news is next at 3. Turned on a TV set. That living color was something I can't forget. This man was preaching at me. Yeah, laying on a charm. Asking me for 20. With 10,000 on his arm He wore designer clothing And a big smile on his face Selling me salvation While they sang Amazing Grace Asking me for money When he had all the signs of wealth Almost wrote a check out Yeah then I asked myself Would he wear a pinky ring? Would he drive a fancy car? Would his wife wear furs and diamonds? Would his dressing room have a star? If he came back tomorrow There's something I'd like to know Can you tell me? Would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television? Thank you, Savannah. 306, final hour here. Hal Anderson afternoon, CJOB. Lights are out. Henderson and Hespler, both directions. No one using the four-way stop protocol, according to a listener texting in, 204-780-6868. Yeah, when those lights are out, come on. Four-way stop. Henderson and Hespler. No lights at that intersection right there. So the Roseanne thing is is sort of interesting. In that, um, well, the fallout, can do, the latest I saw is that uh, Roseanne says, I am not racist. I'm not a racist, okay? Um, then why would you say, well, anyhow, I won't get into that. But I did find it sort of interesting how the cast is sort of fighting now, Right? I don't know if you've been following this on Twitter or not, but wow, like it's it's getting a bit nasty between Roseanne and the rest of the cast of her 
now canceled show. Take a listen. After posting an apology to Valerie Jarrett and saying she was leaving Twitter, Roseanne Barr was back telling fans, quote, hey guys, don't defend me. Barr then spent hours retweeting posts by her supporters and responding to critics. The actor who plays her TV son, Michael Fishman, tweeted, quote, my character was created to represent the inclusive nature of my views. Barr blasted back, quote, I created the platform for that inclusivity and you know it me. You throw me under the bus. Nice. Sarah Gilbert, her TV daughter, tweeting she was disappointed in her TV mom. Barr tweeting back, quote, wow, unreal. A TV family and war of words center stage on social media. Michelle Franzen, ABC News. Oh, boy. Yeah, listen, when somebody says something like that, you can't sit there and have hurt feelings because they're telling you you're an idiot for saying that. I mean, you just can't because you were an idiot for saying it. So I think that's too bad that uh, she's going after some of the people that obviously need to come out with a statement, right, and say, listen, that's horrible, should never have been said, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Hey, let's talk about the Trans uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline for a second here. Let me just uh, play this for you. I, I don't know where you come down on this. The government uh, basically uh, taking over, getting this uh, second pipeline built, and then selling off the company uh, later on, later on uh, selling off the assets, but certainly a lot of opinions on this. I don't know how I feel about the pipeline. I mean, I can see the good in it. I can also see the environmental impact it would have on us, but I don't know how I feel about the government getting involved. I think uh, the government should stay out of ownership of oil field infrastructure. The industry hasn't asked the government to come in and buy anything. The industry has asked the government to do what it's supposed to do, which is enforce the rule of law of this country. The answer is yes, we need the pipeline. Where do you come down on this? 204-780-6868. I'll tell you, I'm a less government kind of guy, but this might have been the best option. And I don't want billions of my dollars, I don't want my government necessarily getting into the uh, oil pipeline business, but... And uh, surely mistakes were made by the Trudeau government before this. But this may have been the best solution at this point. And as I said yesterday, I kind of think there's a deal cooked already. I think we're going to do it this way, get it built so there's no opposition from B.C., no court opposition, legal opposition anyhow, get it built. And then I think somebody's already sitting there waiting to buy. I think the deal's already done. That's just kind of what I think. Global's Keith Baldry says Trudeau had no choice. Now, you know, he set a trap for himself, I think, some time ago by not really championing the pipeline uh, for quite a long time, allowing uh, the B.C. government, uh, various First Nations, uh, Derek Corrigan, the mayor of Burnaby, Gregor Robertson, the mayor of Vancouver, and the environmental movement to basically drive the narrative here. He only came in near the end when Kinder Morgan set that deadline, but by then the die was cast. Uh, the, Kinder Morgan had cited numerous delays and concerns about uncertainty. There was no way those things were going to get off the table before May... 31st was reached. So it became very clear Justin Trudeau was entering a poker game in which he had to show all his cards to Kinder Morgan. Kinder Morgan had no incentives here uh, to move. And it was clear they wanted out of this project. It was an exit strategy. And Justin Trudeau put all his personal political capital into this project. At the end of the day, it was becoming very apparent to a number of us observers that big money was going to be involved here. It was going to have to come from the Canadian taxpayers and from the Trudeau government. So no surprise here. Global's Keith Baldry on this takeover of this pipeline by the feds. I didn't say this yesterday on the show, but I was thinking this, that, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here. Maybe the taxpayers of Canada might make a buck or two on this deal. 
I know a lot of people don't think that, but then I was listening to Mackling and McGarry this morning. Barry Prentice was on with them. He is a supply chain professor at the Transport Institute of Manitoba, and he kind of hinted at the same thing. Maybe this will be a good thing. Maybe the government will make money. Maybe we'll make money on this deal. Well, they had to do something. It was very clear. In fact, I suppose, I'm not an expert on this, but uh, under the NAFTA, if the government does something that impedes a foreign country, they can sue for damages. So we might have had to pay out huge, huge damages if we didn't do this anyway. And uh, as far as the, the purchase, well, it's a, it's a, an asset that's purchased, and I'm sure it's going to have value that can be sold. Uh, whether or not uh, people agree with the whole thrust of, in terms of uh, climate change and, and oil production is another issue. Barry Prentice this morning with Backling and McGeary, and I'll play one more clip here. This is Chris Varco. He is a columnist at the Calgary Herald, and he too thinks maybe, you know, not a perfect situation, but maybe it will work out in the end. Well, Kinder Morgan, as you said, is spending $4.5 billion, but then they've got to spend the money to build the project. So right now the project has a price tag of $7.4 billion. Kinder Morgan spent about a billion, so that would presume that there's another $6 billion or so to be spent. The project, however, has risks attached to it, and the risks are, will it be delayed? The longer it's delayed, the more expensive it's going to be, which is going to drive up the tolls that are charged to the petroleum producers to move their oil on the line. If the government can remove some of that risk, if it can get the project almost to the finish line or over the finish line, and if it can get beyond sort of the legal quagmire that it's in, I think the project actually has better economics and it would probably attract a much fairer price. But at this stage of the game, what private company is really willing to take on the same risks that Kinder Morgan just walked away from? That's why I think the value is actually greater once they get more certainty in the days and months ahead. Chris Varco, a columnist at the Calgary Herald. Joe just texted me, 204-780-6868. Hey, Hal, wondering what Justin Trudeau will do. The federal election is next year. He sure has put us in a huge deficit. I'll tell you, he's put all his eggs in one basket here. Boy, if you don't like this, you're probably not voting for the guy. If you do like this, if you're, you know, an environmentalist type who's more worried about this pipeline or if you see it as an opportunity... Uh, you know, if you don't mind government getting involved big time to the tune of billions of dollars like this, well, maybe you vote for Trudeau then. Uh, thanks for the text, Joe. And let's see if I can squeeze in a quick call on this from Tim. Same number, 204-780-6868. Tim, yes, your thoughts, please. Hi, uh, Hal. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, I'm a kind of a Trump supporter. As a Canadian citizen, 55 years old, that's kind of a, I'm in a minority, but I'm for less government, and I think the pipeline, yeah, should be done, and uh, uh, maybe through a private, uh, you know, with Kinder Morgan or whoever they settle it out to be, but that's just yeah. my opinion or my comment. Yeah, and, and, I, I, and, I think every, and I think everybody involved would like to have seen Kinder Morgan do it on their own, but when that was becoming less and less likely, mm-hmm. you know, Trudeau was put in a position, and he's made mistakes along the way too, right? But when he's put in that position, I guess he said, you know what, let's go all in and uh, and get this done and, and worry about, you know, that later, exactly. but uh, I, I hear you. Yeah, I'm a less government yeah. kind of guy too. Me too. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate the call. Thank you. All right. We got to take a break. 3.15, quarter after three at CJOB. All right. 3.20, 20 20 after three. We've got complete sports coming up for you. The news uh, at the bottom of the clock at 3.30. Savannah Pierce uh, will be here with all of that for you. Oh, by the way, uh, Jeff Forche, 
Who was the winner of the Fab Four tickets from earlier? Who won those tickets? Lisa Watson. Very nice. Lisa, congratulations. You have won yourself tickets to go and see the Fab Four. The ultimate Beatles tribute, June 8th, Club Regent Event Center. And we'll have another pair to give away here on the show tomorrow. All right? So if you tune in tomorrow, you may very well win a pair of tickets. Giving away those tickets all this week. Well, big TV news, of course, about Roseanne. Also, very big news. Not as big, I guess, but pretty big news if you're a fan of The Walking Dead. Andrew Lincoln. Rick is leaving The Walking Dead. Or at least reportedly he is. And apparently he'll leave after the upcoming ninth season. The 44-year-old actor will only appear apparently in six episodes next season. Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie who recently renegotiated her contract for a bigger payday, also is only appearing in six episodes. Norman Reedus, Daryl, on The Walking Dead, will reportedly be bumped to leading man status in season nine, and he will receive, quote, substantial compensation to stay on board. Production of season nine began in March. Well, there you go. If you're a Walking Dead fan, we'll see less of Maggie. We'll see less of Rick. And Daryl's basically going to get bumped up and be the leading man taking over for, for Rick, Andrew Lincoln. Andrew Lincoln leaving after next season. And he'll be in fewer episodes along with Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie. So there you go. Pretty big news if you're a, a Walking Dead fan. Like I was saying the other day, though, uh, I am probably now enjoying Fear the Walking Dead more than The Walking Dead. And I never thought I would say that, but it's a better story right now. I think that whole uh, last season with, uh, who's the bad guy with the bat? Jeez, I'm having a hard Negan? time today. Negan, thank you very much, Jeff. Yes, Negan with the bat and stuff. That thing went went on too long, that whole thing. And I understand why he was a real good villain, but... It went on too long. So, anyhow, right now I think Fear the Walking Dead is better than The Walking Dead. We got a break. We're going to check the forecast, sports news, all on the way. Hal Anderson here on CJOB.